love coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your love coach, Nikki Lee. And today I have a guest that is actually with me from Scotland. I'm hoping it's warmer at her place than it is over here at the U.S. this week. But we are going to be talking to Maggie Bain. She is a relationship and intimacy specialist and author and a speaker. And we are going to talk about all kinds of information about um, improving and maintaining intimacy in your relationship. So let me tell you just a little bit about her. She is a sex therapist turned relationship and intimacy specialist. She slams the textbook shut and pulls back the covers to reveal secrets of making your relationship rock solid and hot. And her new book that's called Love on the Rock. That's not rocks, it's Love on the Rock. We'll talk about that too. Uh, Her work helps expose the beliefs and behaviors that keep our love lives ho-hum, and she shares ways to transform them into hot, extraordinary adventures. So I, I can't imagine one couple that doesn't want to be hot and adventurous and not ho-hum. <laughs> so, so Maggie, it's great to have you with me today. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. I'm delighted to be with you. Yeah, it is. It's probably colder here, I think, than where you are. <laughs> oh, man, I feel bad for you. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Uh, but it is winter, so I mean, we we have to expect these. Yeah, things. exactly, exactly. Well, after living so many years in the Bahamas, I think um, you know oh. I'm entitled to a little coolness now. So <laughs> maybe you've got enough heat stored up from the Bahamas, you'll be okay to get through all this. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so tell us, I, I'm I'm real big on um, building credibility for my guest right from the get go. So let the people know what you've done in your background that led up to becoming a relationship expert. Right, right. Of course, it's really important. Well, I was um, a nurse for over 30 years, a midwife, and I worked with plastic surgery and infertility. So I had a lot of medical knowledge um, to do with um, the physiology uh, about um, pregnancies and um, sex, sexual lives, and and our bodies in general. So... um, but all the way through, as I was growing up and through the 30 years, I spent lots of time um, with friends and family and, you know, at coffee and lunch and all that sort of thing, helping and talking about relationships and the, all the issues that come up with that. And at the end, I used to say, oh, I would love to be a sex therapist. And so when I was nearing 50, I started and my children were growing up and I started to rethink about the next part of my life career-wise and what did I want to do. And so, you know, there the the whole sex therapy came up and as I said, I was living in Nassau, Bahamas, raising my family and um, discovered that there was an education um, trainer in West Palm Beach and so I traveled back and forth, I was accepted by her and so... I have a postgraduate certificate as a Florida board certified sex therapist. That is awesome. And then I came back to the Bahamas be- being the first one. So there wasn't anybody to model on. And so it's very important to, uh, I had to present myself um, with, for relationships and right. open the door that way um, to make it more palatable for people. And that's how it all started. 
Yeah. You know, that's, it's one of those those trailblazing fields where you kind of have to explain to people what you are and what you're not, you know, that's to get them right. to understand. So. Well, people think about sex surrogates, so, you know, that's always, and, well, maybe we can go on to that later on at some point. But, um, yeah, I say it's a branch of psychotherapy, so it's talk therapy. Right. And, um, you know, like many things, there's not any magic pill, milkshake, or any other thing to cure these things apart from talking and really peeling back the layers of where we get to and how we've got to these places um, that have stopped us from taking our lives to a really extraordinary place. Well, and people forget it took them years to get to the place where they are now, and it's not going to be instantaneous to get everything straightened out and to work out all the problems. But you're, you, you should mm-hmm. start to see changes and at least some improvements you know, fairly quickly, and, and then, you know, continue to, like you said, pull back the layers and, and just look at the at the various issues. Because I, it, so many people, I mean, you made a good point, because so many people just assume, you know, flip to the back of the magazine and figure out which, which pill you can buy that is going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's deeper than that. I've, I've Even with, with medical, normal medical stuff, I'm, I'm not big on just popping pills. It's Let's figure out what the problem is, get to the root of it, and fix it from there. You know, not just pop a pill and and get rid of it for a little while kind of deal. Well, I'm a great, you know, there's a place for self-help books. And um, mine is part self-help. I call it a relationship enhancement book as well. But, um, you know, if you think about all the books, self-help books that we choose, we tend to choose books that, sound right, feel right, that are giving us the answers that we're looking for. And sometimes that's not really getting to the root of the problem. And so that's how, you know, if people end up coming to professionals like you and I. So things are more complicated when you are interacting with another individual. So, and the habits can come in very quickly. Sometimes it's not years. Sometimes it's coming pretty quickly and they just got stuck or it's right, just right. brought them to a crisis point. And so it's, it's dealing with these very, very sensitive, very complex issues uh, with lots of gray issues. You know, people would love things to be black and white, and you do this and you get that, but it just doesn't work like that. So, no. well, yeah. And I always think it was self-help books. You know, if it's, if it's more of a, a generic kind of thing and maybe it's, it's something in business we're not doing right or, or, you know, something like that, that's touchy enough. But when you're talking about a person's intimate relationships and, and what they personally are doing to make another person happy or, or what another person is, is doing to satisfy them, that's touchy stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's really, yeah. I mean, you've got to get past all the, the initial barriers that people have. And, I mean, that, that can come from any number of places. You know, you've, got to, you've got to figure out that and then, you know, dig deeper. And, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, interesting field, and, and I really don't think just anybody's qualified. That's like I've always thought certain people are meant to be nurses. They just are, you know. Other yeah. people aren't meant to be nurses, <laughs> you know. And the same thing with any of this, this sexual behavior sort of field is it's just not something everybody oh, I think, no. is qualified to do. Even, even if they have loads of training, not everybody's qualified to handle something that, that personal and that intimate with people. And it's the ease of talking about it and bringing it in sensitively. I mean, there's so many, um, you know, 
other professionals or doctors or your GP or whoever, um, and your sexual issues are never even asked or touched right. on. And right. a lot of the time it's because they feel uncomfortable asking about it. Right. Uh, or the appointment time is just so short because, as you and I know, these things, you've got to go at the pace of the individual of the couple rather than us just bulldozing in. <laughs> right. It's right. a very, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's, it's a whole separate um sort of information you need to learn to deal with these kind of things, you know, because, I mean, dealing with normal behavioral issues or, or this sort of thing is one deal, but, yeah, but yeah, it's a whole different ballgame, and so many people just don't cover it. And I think one of the, one of the coolest things I, in, in the very initial part of the training um, about being a love coach is the, the do's and don'ts, which kind of oversimplifies it, but there's just certain things you have to agree that you're going to do certain things and not do certain things, and one of them was never be judgmental. And I know a lot of people have a real issue with that when it comes to sexual topics because there's we we all have certain things in our mind that that about the, you know the, how we feel about certain things, and and to tell yourself I am not going to be judgmental no matter what this person says to me that's that's tough, but can be done and it, it you know it helps all of us grow. I think one of the coolest things about being a, a coach is all the ways that I personally grow with every single person I talk to, every single article I write, all of those sort of things help me grow as a human being too, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Great. I'm one of those you-never-stop-learning kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I'll never stop learning till the day I die, so I'm in total agreement with you, yes. Oh, there's, there's just so many things out there that I'm interested in learning about, so... <laughs> One of the reasons I enjoy doing the show because I could talk to people that have other specialties and, and learn stuff. <laughs> so one one of the things that I think, you know, couples couples in all stages of relationships are, are concerned about is keeping the passion alive. And and you talk to a lot of people that you know they're like, oh, we've been married for twenty years, thirty years, you know, however long it's been, and and they just they accept that the passion is not there anymore and they think that's normal. Yeah. What, what do you think? Does it have to be that way or do they have options? No, of course. No, no. I mean, that that's really the essence of why I wrote the book, Love on the Rock Takes so. Love Life, from ho-hum to extraordinary. And ho-hum's the dullness, the boring, right. um, to the extraordinary. And everybody's extraordinary is couldn't be different. So it's when that... Um, excitement when you still got that spring in your step when you're thinking about coming home when you're thinking about your partner and I'm a great believer on you know we only have one life to live if you know that you want to be and you still love your partner and want to be with them in the next five ten years it's so important to have as much joy and to have as much fun with each other um, and not settle. You know, it's the settling as you're talking about. Um, and so it's so important to, and it is, those are, when we lose the passion and when we lose sight of the reasons why we chose each other and why we got into the relationship in the first place, that's, as you and I know, that's when a lot of trouble starts setting in. You right. know, our eyes start to wander. Uh, we start putting less effort into the relationship. And so there's less input, you know, because we feed off each other. We mirror each other's behavior. So if your partner's disinterested, then it's amazing over time 
you become disinterested too. And so it has a trickle effect. And this is how sex therapy came into practice, it's a branch of family therapy. And they found 30, 40 years ago that um, they noticed that family issues with children and other things that trickle out had a lot to do with the core principal relationship in the family, which is the couple, which is the intimacy. And that's how they started concentrating so much more in that area. And um, so that's where um, I found that with my work, before I started writing the book, I noticed that so many couples, friends, family, and my clients, were missing so many opportunities so many opportunities to connect with each other, to flirt with each other, to start heating things up before they got to the bedroom. And right. so when they did leave it to the bedroom, you know, they had all the stuff that happened during the day and in the household. And so they wondered why they were disappointed, rejected, or lack of interest, lack of attention, lack of affection. And so... That's really the core of my work, which is rock-solid love, is really based on that. Well, and, and one of the things that you know, people that listen often are going to know is communication is a thing that I, I tend to harp on quite a bit, <laughs> or focus on. I like focus better. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you've got to maintain and have a solid, open, honest communication with your partner. And, and I love one of the things, I was reading through one of the excerpts from the book, and it was saying that, that when we have a conversation with, with our, our significant other, we carry assumptions and expectations into the conversation, and that leads us to sabotage a chance of seeing or hearing or experiencing what they're really trying to communicate to us. I love that sentence mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. do, especially, especially when you've been around people for a long time. And this, I mean, this can be family, friends, partner, whatever it may be. And the thing is, you you think you know what they're saying to you, and sometimes uh-huh. you're not listening to every little word, you know. Yeah. And they may be trying to tell you something very important that you need to hear and that's different from what you already know about the person, but we may not be hearing all of that. Right. We become, we're really great mind readers, you know. And so that's where the familiarity comes in and why relationships over, you know, maybe the two years or something like that, we get very comfortable with each other. And so we start expecting and assuming things. And that's where things start to, you know, maybe you talk less, you jump to conclusions, uh, you know, everybody's wanted to get the last word in and all that sort of thing. And so it puts such a damper on the relationship altogether. And this is really where all, you know, as you say, the communication, if we don't get things right or get to a really great place um, out of the bedroom, then how on earth are we going to be able to talk about things that are happening within the bedroom? And um, so, yeah, very, very important. Yeah, but as we know, it sounds all great, keep things open and honest and all that kind of thing, but it's a tricky thing, you know. It's a very safe place between, and that's the start of the intimacy, is like why do we open up our story and our conversation to somebody and just give them the short version, or why do we choose to give somebody the long version of our story? It's because we feel comfortable and safe to open up. So that safe place, so if you start messing around with that, 
which is to do, you know, trust or, you know, jumping down somebody's throat or just the not right time and place and all that sort of thing. There's so many things that go into that to make it just right for both of you to open up to each other. So, yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, and, and part of it, too, I think, is, is having the trust between the two of you that you can be open and honest. Even, even if it's not totally complimentary, you need to be able to be honest with one another, tactfully honest. You know, <laughs> there, there is a way to say things that aren't overly complimentary, and there's a way not to. You know, but, but know that you can, you can have that open dialogue with one another. And, and I completely agree it's not the easiest thing on earth by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just, just like putting in the work to have a great relationship, it's worth the effort. It's oh, so yeah. worth the effort. Yeah. Well, anything that's worthwhile having does take <laughs> more effort, doesn't it? I mean, that's why I tell you. There you go. I was, that like, was exactly uh, the next thought I had in my head. See, <laughs> uh, you do similar work. <laughs> one one of the examples you gave right after talking about carrying assumptions and, and expectations in no conversation mm-hmm. was about um, a wife thinking he works all the time, he comes to bed late and expects to have sex. That's all he wants me for. Mm-hmm. Now what that I mean I, I'm sure many of the listeners can relate to that comment. You know, they may have heard it or they may have said it or they may have thought it. Yeah. But what what are those two people usually really trying to say to one another but the other partner may not be hearing them? completely wow am i making sense (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there can be so many things i mean whether it's you know if you're working long hours there's a sense and you know you're back to your safe place your familiar place and so there's rewards at the end of the day which um i'm not generalizing i hope i don't generalize men guys but you know often it is that you know this is i've worked hard this is my reward at the end of the day so there is a kind of expectation there's uh, an agreement that's come about in a committed relationship that you know if you are my only partner then you know this is what it's all about and this is what i need to make me feel good and replenished but also, but if you haven't seen your partner for hours and hours and, you know, you're already tucked up in bed and you may feel that kind of used or, you know, or I want more than this. I need more attention than this. This is okay for them, but what about me? And so things start getting, there's an imbalance that starts to take place there. Or you've got to make sure that doesn't become um you know, concrete, and there's got to be a fair trade, as I call it, you know, a fluidity in a relationship where it's one person's time, one time, and, you know, I suggest to people, like, it's almost like having a game and be playful about it. But if you feel that um, every night or, you know, every time it's all about your partner, then um, you feel that you're being pushed onto the back burner and your needs and your wants and um, sort of get um, suppressed. So, yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and another, like I said, I just I really enjoyed the excerpt you sent me. So, Thank you. Thank you so much. One of the things we need to realize when, when you're with someone over time is no matter how close we are, okay, people 
and their perspectives and their thoughts and their wants and their needs can change. Mm-hmm. You know, expectations may change. Yes. Things they're interested in may change. I mean, they they may just want to do something different. You know, there's nothing wrong with trying something different. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind that your you and your partner's needs and desires may change. You might want to do things different. You might want to try something unusual. You know, you... You may want to have sex in a different place. I mean, it can be any number of different things. Sure. So just keep in mind that if you've been together for, for, you know, could be a couple years, could be 20 years, but that your partner, just because they really, really liked something when you first got married, doesn't mean that's the same thing they want 25 years later. You know, so so keep keep talking about things. Keep, you know, keep keep the communication lines open. And be open to the idea of something different. Something different doesn't mean you're not doing it right or you're failing the person or they don't love you. It just means, hey, let's try something else. Let's try something more. Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is, you know, it's keeping it fresh, keeping it playful, being creative. That is all part of, you know, getting out of the ho-hum, the dullness. It's the routine, our mundane routine. Yes. Kills romance, definitely. Um, you know, our bodies are changing all the time. Our hormones are, we're governed by our sex hormones. And so, but they change every decade. And so, yes, definitely our bodies age as time. And so our needs and preferences um, do change. Um, the trouble is, is that, you know, you've got to have that, you know, once you have areas where, trust has been um, broken or tampered with, as I call it, then it's so easy for people to feel criticized, to feel suspicious. Oh, why are you suddenly interested in this? Well, where did you learn about this? And why would you want to? And am I not good enough? Have we not? You know, it brings out so many different things. And I always tell people, don't talk about these things. Please don't talk about introducing anything in the bedroom. Exactly. Because it's, um, you don't want it to be the bed of contention. So it's so, um, so much easier. Choose your time. You know, talking about these things has to be, um, chosen uh, at the right time, and just don't spring it, you know, spring it in because. Um, but it, 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 of course, it's possible, and of course, I highly recommend it. That's how we get into the creativity of the fun and the playfulness, and it really searching and getting to know ourselves and our own sexuality. Uh, if you've got a partner that allows you um, that opportunity, so. Right. That's where the great intimacy, you have to be in a really good place to be able to open up these discussions. So, you know, whether that's something that you're able to do with yourselves or that's something that you come and see professionals like us um, is, you know, entirely different with different couples, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Depends on what each couple needs. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that you brought it out, and this is something I've, I've repeatedly said in, in books and articles I've written, is... You know, don't wait until you're in bed to discuss these things. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. You know, besides, I mean, you, you shouldn't. Some people seem to have a hard time being being flirty, being affectionate. And I'm not talking over-the-top affectionate, you know, but, but just even if it's just casually touching or just, you know, 
a, a quick kiss, you know, when you're when you're out somewhere doing something, have that contact. You need to maintain that physical contact, even like I said, even if it's just something subtle. But maintain that intimacy and that contact, and showing love to your partner outside the bedroom, not just when you're in bed together. You know, because mm-hmm. you, you need that. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you need all through the day to <laughs> some degree. Yeah. Well, that's what I said, that, you know, so many people miss those subtle opportunities. Yes. You know, many opportunities, as you say, all day long. Um, and so it's missing those things. Um, and it all just sorts of fades out from the relationship. Right. And we all need lots of contact with each other. And it's the touch. It's the power of touch. Yes. The touch is what bonds us, what attaches us to each other. Um, and, you know, it raises our hormones and stimulates, and it's the excitement and uh, anticipation of what may be later on in the day, or you can play with it in so many ways. But, yes, it's very, very important. For men and for women, I mean, people always think, and, yes, we know that women, we need a lot of what we call non-demand pleasuring, Um, It goes back, as we know from research from, you know, as little girls, we were picked up more, we were, you know, hugged more and all that sort of thing. But men need so much of that, too, and really thrive on that deeply rich emotional uh, connection that comes about. So, you know, this isn't a gender thing. Everybody needs it. (laughs) Whether, Whether men realize it or not, they do need that also. They do, definitely. But, okay. Now, like, another one of the things that you mentioned, too, was about your friendship with your husband. And you had an honest and candid friendship between the two of you. That's mm-hmm. another thing that I bring up a lot on the show is it's, it can be an incredible relationship if you've got a friendship as a basis and then it becomes something more. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're, they're, no matter who you are and how great your relationship is, there's going to be issues about something from time to time, even if it's just something small. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful to have that friendship as your basis and not just the passion as as the entire basis for your relationship. I mean, how many times do you see a couple that, that especially when they first get together, are just, I mean, they can't keep their hands off of each other. They're just, mm-hmm. everything is hot and heavy all the time. But But they don't have any other kind of a connection with one another. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Well, we know that chemistry is really, really important. We know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, To, you know, as the years go by, maintain the very most intimate part of your relationship. But there's no doubt that that isn't enough for a relationship. Now, if you want just the casual and you just want the sex and and both of you want that, that's fine. But if you want more, if you're wanting a relationship, and you want to have that extraordinary relationship, um, which sets us apart from the sort of routine, as you say, the settled, the very comfortable relationships. But if you want that excitement all the way through your life, then yes, it takes so much more. Um, it's that getting to know each other. It's right. the being each other's greatest fan. It's, you know... The, as I call it, rock-solid love. It's to be each other's rock, you know, dependable. When everybody else fails you, the one person who you want who will be there standing by your side. Is right. that what we all want? And that's what um, 
a solid relationship um, that is that extraordinary love and that true love of that person, no matter what, will be there for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've run into married couples that I, I know personally and then also as clients that never seem to flirt with each other. Mm. You know, you may see, and, and sadly I've, I've seen this quite a bit, is, is you may see the husband flirting with other women when they're out, like at a restaurant especially. Um, I've seen that way too many times. Yeah. But you don't see them flirting with one another. It's like people, some people seem to have the notion that once you're married, that stops. I think it should continue. Flirt with your, your partner. Good oh, grief. Oh. <laughs> well, my, one of my favorite things, and the, you know, it usually gets big roars of laughter, is um, flirt with your rock and not the pebbles on the beach. I saw that quote. I like that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's it's like red flags to me, uh, you know, blazing red flags when I see clients and people out because I know then that there's, there's trouble. Things aren't as it should be. Right. And one part of my book I talk about first. You know, we always think the first kiss, why is it so magical at the beginning? Because it's everything's new and it's a first. The first kiss, the first hug, the first time having sex together, the first time bathing together. There's so many exciting things. Just as when we are children coming out of, you know, childhood and adolescence, things are like highly exciting because it's the first time. And I always tell people that it's that sense that, oh, there's no more firsts. You know, being there, done that. You know, my life is boring, that um, it's not exciting anymore. And I said, every day, every time that you're with each other, you can make it. That's in our head. That's the self-sabotage. That right. is you believing that. Who wants to say that, and this is where the creativity, the fun comes in, try different things, you know, yes. having different places, um, you know, hold hands in different places. Where, I mean, I love holding hands in bed. I mean, it's, you can do many different things. Um, but you've got to have that, the honesty and the, I believe the candor, which is, and again, that comes about with practice and really spending a lot of time with each other and talking about what you like doing, what you don't like doing, and then start perfecting all these things, you know. So it's right. a lack of firsts. Um, but yes, it's, you know, and I do, you know, there's no doubt when people then, you know, you've got to take care of the relationship itself because um, it's so many people spend so much time looking outwards, keeping people away from right. our partner, that they are distracted and they lose sight of the most important thing. The thing that we can hope for and that we have to really put a lot of attention in is that you want your partner to say, if they are attracted or flirting or somebody's flirting with them, yes, you look good, but boy, you should really see my wife. She's <laughs> And like the other way around, you know. So we got to put effort into the way that we look and keep ourselves, you know, fit or what, whatever it is. Um, because you want to make sure if you leave that big hole, that void there, it's a hole that is so easily filled by somebody else. Exactly. Uh, and um, so you've got to take care of what you have. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if people worked as hard 
to keep their husband or wife as they work to chase them down in the first place, imagine what marriages would be like. You know, know, well, that's like I've talked to people, and I remember even when I was a kid, I'd hear people say, well, okay, it's done. I caught him. I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) Oh, no. It's like there's got to be more to it than just catching the person. Come on, folks. Well, and I always tell people that if you are really putting in as much effort and really have it as good as that you can make it, then should anything happen, anything devastating or disastrous, because we're not responsible for the other person, we're not responsible for our partner's behavior, you know, if something should happen, at least you know you did the very best that you can, because there's nothing worse than couples, things happening, or, you know, people choosing not to be with us anymore, and then we think, oh, if only we'd done this. If only I tried harder. If only, if only. And so I always tell people that's the worst and most, so painful. You don't want to go down that road. You want to really try the very best that you can. And if both of you are doing that, then it should be great. That's it. Yeah. I I love your suggestion, too, about asking, how can I love you better? to your partner. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I was going to use that as the title of the book, um, (laughs) and I have that at the end of each chapter, um, uh, because it's such a, you know, as you and I know, so many couples are giving love in the way that they feel love means to them. Right, right. Which is great. We should. But we shouldn't lose sight of, and in fact, we have to start recognizing first what your partner's of love is. Right. And so what a lot of people is that it bypasses. They're like ships in the night. Everybody's trying hard. Everybody's doing things. Everybody's, you know, thinking they're satisfying the other person, and yet things are happening and people aren't satisfied. And sometimes it's just the smallest, simplest things. And so I say, you just ask. Just ask, how can I love you better? And if we ask on fairly regular, you know, (laughs) a few weeks, a couple of months, or however in your relationship it works, but it's amazing. You know, it really cuts past all the, you know, do's and don'ts and doubts and all that sort of thing. And it ends up with a lot more satisfaction. So, yes, I use all those exercises at the back of each chapter with my clients. Um, and they're powerful, powerful exercises. Yeah. We, you know, I've, over, over the last several years, I've done a lot of reviews for different, different products, books, this sort of thing. And, and one of the tips I always put in there, because I always put in master's expert tips, just to kind of set my reviews apart a little bit. And uh, so one of the things I put in there is you're only, and no matter what, what it is that you're thinking about using, you know, as, as inspiration or, or whatever, you're only limited by your imagination. You really oh. are. And the thing is, it's not a bad thing to be creative in your love life with your partner. It's just not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you have to get crazy and, and do something you're completely uncomfortable with. But but just just find some way to make it a little different. And I love your your comment too about you know you get to a point where there's no more first in your relationship. You you've already had the first kiss. You, mm-hmm. You've already had all all these things that you've done for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
So that gives even more credence to both of our suggestions to, to shake things up and to, to do something that's new and unusual. Okay, un- unusual or different for you. How about that? <laughs> you know, but like I said, don't, don't think you have to, to go to like the far extremes of being creative and, and different. Just find something a little different to do to kind of make things interesting. Uh, and it, that's, that's one of the things. I've, I've got this report I wrote called um, The Art of Kissing from Head to Toe. And, oh, you know, and I get more raves about that because it's don't just kiss the person. Really get into it. And, and I mean, I, I give examples from, from the top of your head all the way to your toes, different things to do to have that intimacy, to have that contact with your partner and, and to stimulate each other and get the juices flowing, you know, to to do something a little different. And I mean, you can you can go whole hog with it because at the end I've got an entire section about giving a great foot and, and leg massage, or just something simple that you know maybe maybe kissing kissing their hand and, and sucking their fingers or or using a piece of ice when you kiss them and, and run that down their neck. I mean, simple things, mm-hmm. but it's different. It gives a new sensation, and it's like, hey, what's this? You know, just something to get to make things interesting and keep keep yeah. things. Keep your partner guessing in a good yeah. way. Yeah. Well, we know that our mind, our imagination is our greatest sex organ. So, yeah, you know, and with memories and, you know, I'm all about creating memories. Uh, yeah. We talk about a lot in the book is that once you have that great memory, that great experience, that new thing between each other, then you can build on that. And so it's amazing how we can use our intimacy and our safe playground that's what I call it, you know, you, you can use it. So it is. I love that you talk about kissing because when I'm taking history from clients, uh, that's one of the first things, not first, but it comes within the first session. And I would say more than the people that come and see me are more than 90%. Kissing has completely gone out of their love life altogether. And so... I'm a great advocate for kissing. It is the greatest. It's often described as the most intimate thing, even more intimate than sex itself. Yes. Because you're right up there. You're including all your senses, taste, smell, sight, sound, the whole thing. And we know that it is highly, highly um, arousal. You know, um, it's a stimulant. And in fact, we know from research for women, so if you're listening, guys, the best way to quickly arouse a woman is deep, passionate kissing. That's right. So there you go. So why it starts going out of a relationship, and again, I talk about this in the book, is that when you, you know, it doesn't need to be the first. Yes, there was the first kiss. But you can have a first, you can change the pressure of your kissing, uh, the playfulness with your tongues. It can be uh, in a different place. You can use different tastes and foods and all that kind of thing. So there are many, many ways that you can make it a first every time. Um, So, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And one of the things I tell people is one of the first signs that there's, there's a problem is if you stop kissing. If you're not kissing your partner anymore, they're, they're bigger problems are either right on the horizon or there already are bigger problems. Uh, yeah. so it doesn't have to be a long, passionate, although those are wonderful. <laughs> but, you, know, you need to be having regular physical contact 
with your partner. And kissing yeah. is a really good way to do that. Absolutely. But that actually, of, of all the courses I took in my, my coaching training, that was the first one I took. <laughs> so uh, I was, this right, is the first thing. Right. Let's start but at the beginning. Know, we, can, we can laugh about, I mean, I've had clients where the oral hygiene has been really bad. Right. And the other person hasn't, has been insulted and almost deliberately doesn't improve on that. So, you know, there can be so many simple little things that um, change these things altogether. So, you know, how we can talk about these things without getting prickly and insulted and feel that we're being criticized is really important. And um, it's a basic thing of um, building a relationship. Well, i tell you something, and if, and if he ever listens to the show, I'm going to be in trouble for sharing this, but I'm not going to say who it was. <laughs> but I, was I was talking to somebody, and, and while I enjoyed kissing him, it wasn't quite the way I wanted, you know. So, yeah. so we were just sending flirty little emails back and forth to each other one day while we were both working. And I said, let me tell you, I said, you have a few minutes. Let me tell you how I imagine the perfect kiss, okay, or a perfect kiss, not the, that, that's, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let, let's let there be more than one, right? Exactly. He goes, okay, okay, I, send it to me. And I put in there exactly how I would like for a kiss to start and kind of start to progress. Mm-hmm. And hang on, if he didn't do it exactly like I wanted it the next time. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so, you know, and there was nothing confrontational about that. It wasn't a, I, I would like you to change this. It was a, let yeah. me, let me like I said, it was done in a very flirty way. Yeah. And he loved it. And like I said, it worked. So, well, this is the thing we've got to pay attention yes. to our relationship and pay attention to what our partner is saying to us and not feel that we're being nagged at, but pay attention because we've got, we're going to be learning, like we were talking at the beginning of the program, is that we've got to learn from each other and right. it should be our partner who's teaching us and we have to be open to receiving these things. Otherwise, you know, you just reach that brick wall all the time and, you know, resentment starts stepping in and that is not good. So, you know. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So one, one of your, your takeaways from the book that I really like and I want, I want the audience to get more details about is what are three things you can do today to make your relationship extraordinary? Mm. And we may, that may even overlap some things we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. Well, first and foremost is, is becoming a great listener. You know, the as we said, we've got to get out of this habit of jumping to conclusions and having an answer or, or a solution all the time to what our partner is saying. And there's nothing worse than when we're just most of the time – when we're with our partner and we feel comfortable, they're the person that we can vent things over. You know, we right. can just splurge what we want to say. It doesn't mean that, you know, we, hopefully we feel safe enough that we know we're not going to be criticized or judged or right. humiliated or corrected. Um, so it's that where we can just basically sit back and listen. And I always tell people it's, Once you have got that really great, then that's when you start hearing the long stories instead of the short versions. And so your safe place gets even safer because then the both of you will open up. Because if you're giving your partner the respect 
of being a great listener, really listening to them, then really you're in a position then to ask for it in return. So that's, that's, that's a biggie right there. Um, the other one is really about the really committing to being um, honest and authentic yourself in the way that you put yourself across. You know, if you're going to be honest, then, again, it's reciprocated. If you're going to be dishonest or hold things back and, um, you know, it's, you're, again, we're going to mirror behavior and the same thing will come back to you. So that, if you want honesty, you've got to be authentic and honest yourself. So there right. we go. Listener, and we've got to be able to be really honest um, in our talking and, and conveying things to our partner. And, of course, the last is what we just talked about, <laughs> is the kissing, the way that you can spice up your relationship today between those three things. It's amazing when you give somebody the opportunity to talk and that you're going to listen to them, you're valued, you feel valued, you feel cherished, you feel special. Um, and the eye contact is a big thing. You know, you must look at each other all that time. Don't be distracted. Don't look away. You know, that giving you that precious time. So we've got the listening. We've got the talking and the kissing. And people are like, oh, well, I never really like kissing. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, why? So it's peeling back and finding out the reasons why all these things and then it's learning, teaching, and so we start, again, starting with uh, slow kissing, we can, not slow kissing, but uh, whether it's closed mouth, and then finding out, and you can teach each other what you like and what you don't like. Um, so that's really, really important. Uh, so there you are, three things right there. Well, and it, it doesn't hurt, and it actually is very healthy for you to share with your partner what you like. You can oh yeah don't don't yeah. harp on the bad things you know don't say I don't like this I don't like that I don't like the other instead mm-hmm. say I love when you do whatever it is that you love you know um, and and then if you'd like them to try something new say you know would you do that but you do it over here you know which is advancing your time together <laughs> you know but you're also you're suggesting something new you'd like to try but you're doing it in a positive way saying i love when you do that now how about you know on my arm and my leg too <laughs> you know so, so when we get back to how can i love you better so when yes. you ask directly then it, you're giving an opportunity to each other to say exactly what you like and then we leave out the negative things we leave out because we're asking directly how can I love you better so um, it's much much more efficient I call it if we're doing you know cost saving cuts in other ways and energy saving this and that and other parts of our lives uh, and our household things it's like why can't we do that with our relationships let's just cut past all the potential landmines. And um, who needs to hear, you know, I don't like this and whatever. It's just like, just tell me what you really, really like and what you'd like more of. And um, who who could refuse that? (laughs) It it seems like people find it easier to complain about what they don't like. And like I said, use, use that idea, but turn it around 
and tell them what you do like or what you would like or what you'd like to try. So what about what about if you're asking your partner, how can I love you better? And they're not really coming up with anything or they're too shy to tell you. What about making little subtle suggestions on things that they might yeah. enjoy? Well, I've had people who have said, um, you're doing great. You know, um, you don't need to ask me that. You know, or they get offended the other way. If you need to ask me that, that means that you don't really know me. Right, so, right. So, like, oh, now that's interesting too. So. <laughs> Again, you have to peel back, well, where's that coming from? This sounds like there's a lot of resentment and they might, you know, we're hitting some tender spots there, as I call it. Um, so, again, you know, it's asking more, you know, opening the conversation even more and explaining yourself. A lot of people just ask questions and wait for answers and they don't really explain themselves. Right. So what they have when I'm doing this in session with people, then the other part, the other person says, well, now I understand. Why couldn't you have explained that before? Right. And so it's the art of conversation. So it's that spending time with each other and, you know, this is it's really important stuff, getting to know each other. You, you'll appreciate this. I was, I was talking to a couple of people one day, and, and we were – I mean, it was it was three women. We were just we were just talking about stuff, and I don't remember what she said that sparked the idea. But I looked at her and I said, "I said, well, we're all sexual beings." And she looks at me and she gets this look like I smacked her. And she says, "I am not," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and my immediate reaction was, "I feel so bad for you." I said, "No, no, don't say that out loud," <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, the conversation got really interesting from there. But but I mean, her her first reaction was like super defensive and I am not and blah blah blah. And I'm like. That explains a lot, but let's be positive with that. You know, and that's really, really so important for everybody to realize that, that everybody has different sexual drives. Right. And not everybody is it so highly important for them. Right. That's normal for them. There's nothing wrong with them. So, you know, what's normal is like, well, within a couple, if everybody's happy with whatever, then how things are then that's fine. The problem arises when one person starts complaining or feeling dissatisfied and discontented and feeling that the, then there's a problem that starts to, you know, you better recognize that there's a problem. But no, there, there are lots of people. And, you know, there are many couples that have um, what as therapists we would call a low sex drive or, um, you know, but they... They're happy with how things are, and they found partners who feel the same way too. It's when you were talking earlier about the change and the incompatibility with sexual sexual incompatibility um, right. that become that's a problem. So um, and people get highly dissatisfied and resentful over that. And so, again, that comes with working with a professional to find out if we can improve on that, if we can find common ground, if um, we can find a balance where everybody's feeling more satisfied. And so that takes a lot of work to get to that place. And it always, with any of this work, it only comes with willingness. If one person isn't willing to do the work or to improve things, it's, you know, it's 
either going to be really hard or um, hard work for the therapist or for the partner, but there's lots of underlying issues there. Why? Why wouldn't you want to be willing? So um, there's a lot of stuff to deal with, yeah. Did you, did you see the movie Hope Springs? Yes, yes, I did. I love that. Well, <laughs> it, and it tackled it and with, with, you know, a, a decent amount of humor, and, and I loved all the people that were in it. But, I mean, it, it, brought, it brought something out into the public consciousness that is normally just kind of hidden away in people's bedrooms. They just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, well, I like that, that she was the one that wanted more sex and intimacy in the relationship, and he was fighting it, buddy. He just didn't want to have any, anything to do with it. But um, I told people, there you go. See? <laughs> you know, that's an example. Oh, I'd say some of the most complex and difficult um, cases I have are the men with uh, lower sex drives. Right. Um, and really, uh, you know, whether it's sexual aversion, actually. Um, so there's some very, very delicate, very complex issues out there. So, um, you know, where we think, so many people think it's, it's also natural and we should all know how to do it and everything should be fine. And if they're having no problems, then they, think, they wonder why other people do. And right. so we have to understand that we are so unique and so individual. And when we come together as couples, no matter what type of relationship you have, um, we all have a basic need. And it's that, that basic need that we all start and that is to be needed, wanted, and loved. And so men and women, everybody has that. And our approaches are different from then on. But when we lose sight that, you know, yes, the man may not be as affectionate, he may always want to have sex, but that's his expression of feeling needed and wanted and loved. So if you lose sight of that, then that's when a lot of, you know, we must keep in sight that we are all very, very similar at this very basic level. Very true. Yeah, yeah we could do an entire show on, on quite a few other things. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely could, Nikki. We definitely could. Awesome, awesome. Well, I've had a blast, and the time has flown. As, you know, I, I love it. It's always the fastest hour of my day when I record a show. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> well thank you so much for having me Nikki it's been well thank you so much for being here and don't forget you can check out and get more information on my coaching blog at www.lovecoachjourney.com and for people who'd like more information about my learn to love accept and respect yourself program it's uh part program and includes a lot of information to help us identify various issues that are holding us back and making it so that so that we may not feel as good about ourselves or have as much self-esteem and self-respect as, as it would be very healthy for us to have. Um, so I highly recommend that you take a look at that. And I've also got each of those ebooks separately uh, on Amazon in the Kindle store if you'd like to take a look at those also. Actually, if you if you just go to Amazon.com and put in love, accept, and respect yourself, it comes right up. And listeners, I will see you next time on Ready for Love Radio.